Somebody say, my God. my God. Woo, he's a miracle worker, amen? He's a promise keeper. Come on, somebody. He is amazing, amen? Hold your Bibles up. Father, today we thank you for your word. It breaks yokes and sets people free. It divides us at the core of who we are. It helps us to stand strong, Father, when everything else around us seems to be failing and falling apart. Father, you are amazing. You are worthy to be praised. And this Bible is what we hold near and dear to our hearts because it helps us to have victory every step of the way. And so today, Father, as we talk about the things that are going to be discussed, we just pray that a spirit of victory would fall upon each person in the house today in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I'm going to preach a, a, a message in between two series. We've just left uh, our January series of vision that moved into who we are, what we want to accomplish, the importance of seeing people get saved and, and doing evangelism. Next month we will, uh, or this month, that the rest of the month we'll be doing a message series entitled Fast Forward. We're going to be talking about fasting and praying. And the message today is going to tie those two things together. Why do we need what we talked about in January? Why do we need what we're going to talk about in February? Because the world needs us right now. Amen? The world needs us desperately right now. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them, you are important in the kingdom of God. Today I'm going to talk about... You notice I didn't say get up and hug somebody because, I mean, we'd never get restore order in the house. Hallelujah. Today I'm going to talk about a culture that's in confusion. We live in a day in a culture that's in confusion. My article in the bulletin today I wrote, with each passing day, it becomes more and more clear that we live in an American culture that is unsure of its identity. There was a day when this country was founded when we were clear on our identity. We're living in a time in our national history where there's an ever-increasing movement of our culture away from the cornerstone beliefs of the love for God. It's just a fact. And, and, and value for family that our nation was founded upon. More important than where our culture is is where we stand in light of what the Bible has to say about it. This morning we're going to look at how culture is changing to be like the days of Noah and what that means for us as followers of Christ. We are living in a time where people ask me, they say, Pastor, are we in the last days? Uh, when is Jesus returning? And I tell people, don't be caught off guard. You must be wise and aware. The Bible is very clear about these things, and we do have signs that show us where we're at and where we're headed. The truth is, on that question, the answer is, is when you woke up today, we are now one day closer to the return of Christ. Amen? Amen. You know, when the days of Noah, when it got to be the end of the time, when the flood was going to occur, they were at the end one day closer to the flood, and they were still living as if it wasn't going to happen. They were still living as if they were in a time to where uh, life was not going to uh, transition like Noah was saying it was going to transition. We live in a precarious time. We live in a time where politicians can't agree on a solution. Scientists are at odds with each other. Educators can't find a consensus to educate. And quite frankly, pastors and church leaders are cut more on political lines than they are on biblical truth. We live in a day where we have a culture that is in confusion. Make no mistake about this. There is a faction of the culture that doesn't like what we do. And the Bible says in John chapter 14, Jesus makes this perfectly clear. He's saying to the Father, he's praying to the Father, he says, Lord, I've given them your word. In other words, I've done what you've called me to do, man. I've poured myself out to these people. And guess what it got us? The Bible says, and the world hates them because they don't belong to the world. 
You got to tell your neighbor that you don't belong to the world, babe. You don't belong. Everybody tell your neighbor, you don't belong to this world. The Bible says you're just a sojourner. What does that mean? That you're just somebody that's passing from one place to another. That's what you're doing. You're passing from one place to another. But how you pass is important. The things you do, they matter. Turn with me, if you would, uh, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And as you're going into Luke chapter 17, I just want to just share a few things about this, this, not just this culture. We live in a world of confusion. When we talk about John chapter 17, verse 14, you have to understand there's a reality to this. Depending on what survey you look at, in the world today, 90 to 100,000 Christians lose their life each year for their faith. Just because you don't see it happening here doesn't mean it's not happening in other places. Just because it's happening in other places doesn't mean it's not going to come here. Now, I want you to understand something today. Everybody say, we win. Okay? I want you to say, we win. Say it again. We win. Because my God is watching over us. Some of the things I'm going to say today, you're going to say, wow, pastor, that's just nasty and negative. And, 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 but you need to know the truth of what's going on. It's not nasty and it's not negative. It's reality. And the good news is, is we win. Because we serve a God who's able to help us to overcome the world. And to help us be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus because he has an abundant power that operates through each believer. We don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to show up today. He already came with you today. Hallelujah. So the Spirit of God is here in mass today. Hallelujah. And when we work together with that thought process in mind, we can come to some kind of conclusion of knowing that although we're living in the days of Noah and Lot, like the Bible teaches us, we're also living in the days of expectation. Amen? Amen. There's so many people who don't feel as if uh, salvation is real, nor will there be a second coming. There will be a second coming. And that's why we talked about the importance of evangelism. There will be a second coming. That's why we're going to spend three weeks on fasting and prayer because the Bible says only some spirits, there's certain spirits that only come out by fasting and prayer. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spirits in high places. Some of the people that aren't coming to Christ in your family, it's not because of who they are in the flesh, although you'd like to shake them, but you've got to pray that the spirit that's guiding them would be cast down and destroyed. We live in reality days. This is the reality. Spiritual forces have been unleashed against the body of Christ like never before. In England today, and, and this coming year, Franklin Graham has been denied three places to have uh, uh, the normal Billy Graham evangelistic crusades because England says that the things that he speaks of are counter to their culture and their beliefs. The mantra of ba uh, uh, banning those you don't agree with in the name of tolerance and diversity is now accepted as self-evidently reasonable by those who have given up on real tolerance and diversity. It's not, uh, it, it, listen, this is what their clergy is saying, not their politicians. Again, this is nothing new. The bishop, Pete Wilcox, said in November, Mr. Graham's rhetoric is repeatedly an unnecessary inflammatory, in my opinion, and represents a risk to societal cohesion in our city. This is the church. Remember when I said to you, that the church is more divided politically than it is brought together by, by the biblical precepts of the word. The church all around the world is accepting the tolerance message as if Jesus was tolerant to sin, he was tolerant of all those other things. The Reverend Brian Kerr, a Church of Scotland minister in, in Lanark, 
said, Graham's views do not sit comfortably with many Christians in Scotland. I bet they don't. I'll bet you're not comfortable when your sin gets called out. I'll bet you're not comfortable when he expresses that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way under the Father except through him. This is reality. If they don't like it, they have to deal with it. But this is how it's being dealt with. Three stadiums have denied Franklin Graham access to the things, and he's not the only one. There's a charismatic church in a city that uh, Larry Stockstill from uh, Bethany World Prayer Center talked about uh, the, the, the idea that homosexuality and, and same-sex marriage is not of God and that abortion is demonic, and now they too have banned him from speaking in England. This isn't Europe or, 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 or um, um, this isn't the, the, the East or this isn't China that's denying him. This is a Western civilization that is denying him. China is issuing new, house, new rules on all the churches there who are already squeezed to the nth degree. The rules will require all religious personnel to support and implement total submission to the Chinese Communist Party, the report says. Now listen to this. It just gets better. Anybody else excited? I mean, is, is this good or what? We live in incredible times. Ooh. I tell you what, I bet the sons of Issachar back in 1 Chronicles would have loved to have been a part of what's going on now, huh? But you are the sons of Issachar. You are the modern day warriors. And that's why I got to speak some truth today. And that's why we're having soup afterwards, because there's a real good chance this message isn't going to end at 1130 today. <laughs> this is what, this is what... China has put in place and is exporting to other countries of persecution advanced population surveillance techniques. The, the, uh, the country has also received criticism for enacting a social score system that further encroaches on the right of Chinese citizens to worship. And they're not just keeping it to themselves, they're exporting this to the other nations that want to pin Christians in and allow them not to have a freedom to worship. I'm telling you, man, we live in exciting times. Turn with me, if you would, I said to Luke chapter 17, what is this thing that I'm saying about we live in the days of Noah and of Lot? Noah and of Lot. Let's start in verse 20, if we could. Now that he was, now he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. And he answered them and said, same question that I get a lot of the times. The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. In other words, man... You know, we get to see the, the things of the Son of Man right now all the time. We get to walk in the precepts of who He is. We get to walk in the power of what lives inside of us. We get to be, there will be a day that will not occur. There will be a day when that will not occur. And they will say to you, look here, look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part of heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first, he must suffer things and be rejected by this generation. Now, listen to verse 26. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Okay, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man when Christ returns. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted and they built. But on, that, but on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the last day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, uh, he who was on the housetop 
and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. Listen, what he's saying is, is that we live in a cachet, such a materialistic society that when the Son of Man returns and fire and brimstone is going to come down, the first thing people are not going to worry about is if Jesus Christ is in their heart, they're going to worry about the stuff they've accumulated inside of their house. Come on, somebody. That's, what, that's what's going to be on their minds. You know, when somebody tries to tell you that the Bible is an outdated book, come on. I mean, how many years ago was this was written and we live in this exact moment of history. And and let him come down, take him away. Uh, And likewise, the one who was in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife was headed out of Sodom and Gomorrah and there was so much junk back there that she wanted to go back and get. She turned back to look and what happened to her. Listen, we are living in a day that we cannot turn back. We cannot look back. You have nothing back there that's worth going to. You have to make a determination from this second forward because of the truth of the word that's being preached to you this morning that you cannot look back. You cannot, I mean, you almost need to put blinders on because the best days of your life are ahead of you and there's nothing to go back to. And that's what the Bible says. Remember, we took communion today and what did Jesus say? Remember, didn't he? Remember what I've done for you. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you that in the night there will be two men in one bed. And one will be taken away and the other one will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men in the field, the one will be taken and the other one will be left. We have to prepare. We're living in the days of Noah. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to paraphrase six things that are happening that are identical. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, but I want you to understand it. First, in Genesis 6, 1 through 3... There were angelic beings that were coming onto the earth at this time, and they were beginning to exert control over the people uh, of the earth. And uh, these were not angelic God beings. These were fallen angelic beings. And we have to understand that just as evil infiltrated the earth in the days of Noah, that something is happening in the earth today that can only be explained as demonic. You cannot create a law for abortion that says one second before a baby is born that you have the right to kill that child before it comes through the mother's womb. And, and in some places, they're saying that you can abort, you can, uh, they say abort, but you can kill your baby one day after if you don't like the way it looks. This is what people are creating in our society. Now, listen, that's not God. So if that's not God, then it's got to be the enemy. And the only way the enemy can work on the earth today is through demonic entities that could speak to the hearts of men and create such disdain and and, and hatred for human life. The second thing that you have to look at is what is done in a, uh, just seems like a softball manner, but it's not. And that's the tolerance movement. The tolerance movement is is you tolerate what's on the left and we'll never tolerate what's on the right. You in the church will have to toe the line that we want you to, to tolerate, but we will not come to your way and allow you to have tolerance for the things that you believe. The tolerance movement 
is a demonic force that is being unleashed upon the earth today. And what it's going to do is it's going to bring the church to a place to where the mouth of pastors and church people are going to be silenced. Because if you say uh, homosexuality is wrong, if you say that uh, same-sex marriage is wrong, then you are not tolerant of the other side, and the law is going to shut your mouth to be able to say those things. These are demonic things, same things that are happening. In Genesis 6-5, it says that every thought of man's heart was evil. In other words, that there was just continually, a man was thinking evil thoughts. Now, we know what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs 14-12 that uh, it talks about uh, there's a way that seems right to a man. In his heart, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in its way, it leads to what? Listen, if you are not continually driven by the things of the things that God says, you're going to do two things. You're going to only care about you, and you're going to want to bring destruction to everything else that doesn't benefit you. And that's why you say, oh, well, I don't think my neighbor's just thinking evil thoughts about me. It's, it's so subtle how these things happen. Genesis 6, 11, it says the earth was filled with violence and that word means lawlessness. Do I need to explain that? I don't think so. In Genesis 6, 12 and Genesis 19, 45, uh, or 19, 4 and 5, these are the scriptures that talk about sexual perversion was rampant upon the earth. If you want to talk about one more line of something that could only be done demonically, do we have to talk beyond human trafficking? Do we have to talk beyond human trafficking? That people capture other people, hold them slave in bondage, and make them perform sexual acts with other people. That's demonic. Totally demonic. Sexual perversions. In, in uh, Genesis chapter 19, uh, there were two angels that visited Lot. And men knew that other men had came into the city that hadn't been in the city. And they came to Lot's door and knocked and said, we know there's two men that came into your house. Bring them out so that uh, there's children here. Bring them out so that we can have relationships with them. Come on. We live in days of, of that kind of perversion. The fifth thing is materialism. We, we read here that it says they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built. Other words, they were doing life. And we're not saying doing life is a bad thing. But what happened was is that they did life to such a degree that when it came time to listen to what God was saying about a flood, they were so busy doing life that they missed it. They were so busy in their materialistic ways that they missed it. Would it be fair to say that we live in a materialistic society? Two of you think yes? Uh, I mean, come on, folks. We live in a materialistic world where we are set out to, to conquer and achieve everything that we can, whether it's materialistic. I told you this is going to be a little rough, but hang in there, okay? There's a good side to this. But you know what? Sometimes if you don't reveal truth, then it's time to get on the ark and you don't know the truth. Now, let's go to Matthew 24 real quick. This is the sixth thing. Matthew 24. I love when we sing, even though I don't see that you're working. Oh, come on, somebody. It's just like the other side, even though we don't know what they're doing. They're doing something. They never stop. They never stop working to bring your destruction. But we know. Somebody say, my God. My God. Somebody look at your neighbor and take it personal and say, he's my God. We know that our God is working. Amen. He's working behind the scenes. Isn't it interesting 
that our God was working with Noah to build a boat because something that never happened was going to occur. There's so many things, you know what? That's like prophetic destiny. There are so many things that are outside of what you can comprehend with your mind. Remember a couple weeks ago I talked about that his ways are greater than our ways and he thinks well beyond what we think. And there's things that God's setting up for you that he's just waiting for you to say, huh, okay, I'm going to do that. See, Noah had to make that choice one day. He had to make a choice to go anti-culture and begin to build a, a boat five football fields long and to do all the things that needed to be done because he did it out of obedience. And I'm telling you what, if it never rained a drop, God would have looked at Noah and said, you are my man. How do we know that? Because Abraham took his only son and put him on an altar and was up here like this. And there's the, he looked in the thicket and there was the, the sacrifice that God provided. But what happened to Abraham? He became known as the father of all nations. There's something about obedience that breeds something in the heart of believers. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 6 and 7, it says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom will rise against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Is any of that happening? I'm going to northern Kenya, to Chikana County. They had a drought for two years. There are many people that died in the famine. My friend sent me pictures of people who were dying in the famine. These people can't produce their own food because there's no rain, and the roads to get there are so bad that there's not enough relief of, of food that can get there to save the people who are up there. Wow. You know, that's, that's what the Bible says. Wars and rumors of wars. I just looked this up. Right now there are 10 official wars and 8 active military conflicts going on in the world. There's other violent conflicts involving 64 countries, 576 militias and separatist groups going on in the world today. This stuff is real. It's really happening. But what happens is, is when we're a part of this day after day after day after day, it becomes like Novocaine. And you become desensitized to these things. Don't miss the fact that the Son of God is going to return. And if you don't have an urgency to realize that, you're never going to share your faith with the lost because you're always going to think you have another day and another day and another day. This is the day. The Bible says now is the time for salvation. Nations, in that word, the Greek word for nations is ethnic. We, we, we're going to get into a place to where ethnicities are going to be separated. When it talks about kingdoms against kingdoms, it means God's kingdom against the other kingdoms of the world. The kingdom of Islam is attempting to take over the world, and, and, and their goal, and they are patient, is, is they want to come to every nation until Sharia law is the law of the land. Don't kid yourself for a minute. Don't let anyone lie to you. There's not a moderate Muslim. If you read the Quran and believe it, you you are part of the Islamic takeover. Right. Am, am I speaking truth, Emmanuel? Yes. It's not that... It, it's a reality, folks. And we are in America so desensitized to this kingdom against kingdom thing that we invite it into our own nation and allow it to prosper and conquer. We live in interesting days. We are in the birth pangs of what the Bible talks about in the last days. Remember, why am I preaching this message? I'm tying in what we talked about last month. 
and I'm showing what's going to be preached in the next three weeks, the importance of both of them. And this is why we live in the days of Noah and Lot. And, and, and Jesus told the Pharisees that this is a sign for the end times. He told Noah rain was going to come when they had never seen rain. And he could only get eight people to believe it. Eight people to believe it. In 2 Timothy 3.1, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgivable, slanderous, and without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, and lovers of God. Listen to five, having a form of godliness. The pastor from England said, Franklin Graham's a bad guy because he preaches against abortion. We can't have that in our society. A form of godliness, but denying its power. The number one thing argued about in the body of Christ is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And why did God give that to us right away in the New Testament church? Because he knew it was going to be the fuel and the strength and the fire that we needed to carry out the ultimate mission of him coming back again. Nothing has changed. It's the same as in Acts chapter 1 as it is on February chapter, chapter 2. Day 2 of 2020 in February. Same thing. Same thing. The Bible says this. It says that we as believers in the book of Galatians, we are to operate out of the fruit of the Spirit. We are supposed to have love and joy, and peace, and long-suffering. Now, these are a little different, you might note. Would anybody agree with me that these two strings of things are a little different? There's 18 of them. We only need nine for our side. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one is what? Self-control. And what does the Bible say about those things? Against those things, there is no law. We live in a society that has lost this idea of living under these precepts. That's why I'm always saying to you, things like when Tammy and I had that restaurant experience last week and the service was terrible, and by cultural rights, we had every right to demand that it got better. But see, we had to choose a different path. We had to choose to think about the person that things were happening to. Think about the person that was having this bad day. And we had to think about love and joy and peace. See, see when you let the, the society rattle you because you think that things should be done for you, you've lost your peace. When you get to a place to where you want it now, you've lost your long suffering. When you get to a place to where you're going to pin somebody down, you've lost your kindness or your goodness or your gentleness. See, these things are presented to us because God has a mission for us. And this poor girl didn't need us to pound her over the head. Somebody already did before she got there. She just needed somebody to love her and pray for her. And remember what I told you, she came back and said, wow, I've never seen a prayer answered that quickly. That's because she's never met a God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever imagine. She's probably never had an encounter with God. And it wasn't for us to demand service, it was for us to provide the opportunity for her to have an encounter with God. We're in these times. Jeremiah 30, chapter 3 says this, For behold, everybody say behold. behold. The days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel. Leave that there. Now, I want you to understand something. The first two 
things that I've talked to you about from those lines of scripture, you could say, Pastor, that doesn't prove that we're in the last days. Those things have been happening forever. This one hasn't. This one hasn't. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord. Now, think of those two. Okay, so says the Lord, for I will cause them to return to the land that I gave their fathers and they shall what? Possess it. Now, here's the interesting thing. When it was being decided, when Israel was going to become a state again, they had to determine what they were going to name it. And what do you think the two option names were? Israel and Judah. And a lot of people were moving toward Judah, but that represented the split kingdom. Come on now, this, you can't make this stuff up. And so at the last moment of the naming process, Somebody said, it's got to be Israel because we're not going to be any longer a split kingdom. And now Jews from around the world are rushing back to be a part of their natural state. And this happened on May 14th of 1948. Israel became a state. Now, when you put all three of these together, you cannot deny the fact that we are living in the times that are setting itself up for the Son of Man to return again. Amen? Amen? We've got to realize that in 2 Timothy 3, when it talks to the three key things there, it says that men will be lovers of themselves. What is in us that is not sacrificial? The missing ingredient in the body of Christ and how many times have you heard me say this? Does anybody remember what I say the missing ingredient is? I haven't said what? Somebody said it. Service. The heart of a servant is the number one thing missing in the body of Christ. Jesus came not to be served, but to seek and say that which was lost. See, they thought he was going to come back and set up a kingdom here on earth. Some, some, some people are setting up their own kingdoms. Put your address in there and you're, you're, you're setting up your own kingdom. But Jesus didn't come to set up a kingdom here on earth because his kingdom was going to be otherworldly. His kingdom was going to be, on, be beyond amazing. And he, he, he disappointed a lot of people. Because he didn't come and build a castle and set up his kingdom here on earth. But he had such a bigger picture. See, when, when we become lovers of self, we take the, the, the IMAX movie screen and we shrink it to this size. Anybody been to an IMAX? Anybody been to one where they have F-16s flying at your face in the IMAX theater and then they have seats that rumble and then the next thing you know that F-16s come right at you and you... It's an illusion. This is all an illusion. We can't allow the enemy to make God's kingdom an illusion. Ooh. When you become lovers of yourself, the kingdom becomes an illusion. When you become lovers of pleasure, other than lovers of God, the kingdom becomes an illusion. Come on. When you become a lover of money, as opposed to the lover of the one who provides I used to make my boss at McDonnell Douglas so mad. He used to ask me if my old lady worked. And I'm telling you what, I almost gave him five-fold ministry. And I'm not kidding. You know what? We all have something in us that God has to restrain. And he restrained the redneck in me. And I'm, I'm you know, can we be honest? When you call Tammy my old lady, that's enough to get you popped right in the pie hole. 
You can mess with me all you want, but you mess with my wife, you are on slippery slopes. Or my daughter's. And I told him, he said, I know how much money you make. How do you make it? And I said, I'm not going to use names. I said, boss, McDonnell Douglas is not my source. God is my source. And everything we have ever needed has been provided by him. But there was a time when God said something was going to happen, and I had to say, "Woo." Okay, I need to become obedient to what God is wanting me to do and trust him that everything, I had to lose every concept of money to go to where God was calling me to go. And Tammy and I have more now than we ever had when I was making big money. See, it's not, money's not the issue, it's the love of it. The kingdom needs millionaires. Why? Because I got a lot of Bible schools yet to start, and I got to find a few of them who's going to back me. Isaiah called me the other day and said, Daddy, could we, is there any way you could bring me $600 for my office staff? They're working on $30 a month, and I need to give them more. And I said, Isaiah, I'm going to do everything I can. They're buying robes. For graduation and he was only going to buy 50 and there's hundreds of graduates I said Isaiah how much does it cost for 50 more robes he said oh daddy we don't have that money I said God has the money I said how much he said $400 I said Isaiah buy 50 robes and by faith I'm going to bring you $400 for those graduation robes see we don't live in a limited society we live in a kingdom of, of which there is no end. So, but if you love money, you hold on to it as if you're going to have the U-Haul at your service when you die. Randy, God bless you and Gail for everything you did for your father. We missed you guys so much. Aren't you guys glad that the Coopers are back today? I mean, we love you guys. But... You know, don't take this the wrong way, but after your, at your father's service, we did not take a U-Haul of his stuff to the graveside, did we? No, we did not. And people think that you're going to accumulate all this stuff and somehow you're going you're to outfit your mansion when you get to heaven. You don't want this junk. <laughs> what God's going to give you in heavenly realms? Come on, somebody. We're going to be walking on streets of gold. It's about perspective. It's about perspective. What restores our focus? What renews our vision? What controls our flesh? What opens our eyes to what's beyond what's here now and what God has in store for us? There's three Simple things that God has set forth for you to help you come into focus. The first is he is a jealous God and he loves to be worshipped. He loves to be worshipped. You know, when we have worship leader meetings, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll talk about, you know, we want to get the congregation involved. And you know what we always say, this is, this is the worship team and you are the choir. These are the musicians and you are the choir. Because together, man, we make quite a noise to the Lord. Some of y'all say, I can't sing and it's okay. The Bible God knew that. He made you. That's why he said, make a joyful what? Noise. Just make a joyful noise. He doesn't care if you sound like a frog, what you sound like. You sing from the top of your lungs. You ain't going to get a microphone, but you sing <laughs> out here from the top of your lungs. Make a noise. But we always talk about this. Isn't it interesting that a lot of times it takes a couple songs 
to warm up the congregation. But by the third, why is that? It's because we've been so inundated with the world for six, six days. And then on the seventh day, we, it takes one song to say, oh, wow, that worship team's really doing it. And, and then the second song, we go, oh, wow, we're singing about God. And then the third song, we say, oh, God, I'm so sorry for those first two songs. It takes us three songs to wash out the world so that we can get into the place of honoring the one we love. And then by the time we get done with it all, man, our hands are in the air. We're screaming hallelujah. We're, we're worshiping the way maker. And then what happens is you set your focus on who is worthy to be praised and it removes all of the unnecessary things around you. Three simple things. Three simple things. One is worship. You cannot leave here today. You know, you've noticed that it, it, the, my new deal is now is bringing the worship team up every Sunday and sending you out. Why? Because that's what I want to be on your lips. I want that last song to be on. You ain't getting one today, so don't be begging me, okay? <laughs> We're already in overtime today, and I told the worship team. I'm going to make you dig for yourself. Pop a CD in. Go to Pandora. Put up the Kim Walker Smith. You'll even hear somebody singing the spirit over the worship. It's so critical. Second thing is this. It's, it's simple. It's the word. Man cannot live by, but by every word. And where, where's God speaking to us? I swear to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. <laughs> because this is the truth. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. If you don't feel God draw, it's not a one-time salvation experience. God should be drawing you daily to himself. And when you open this up and you begin to just worship him in the spirit, you have a language in the spirit that is so amazing. You have to use it. And when you begin to read the word, you say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me today what you want me to see. What does God want me to see? And then you just eat up the word. Holy Spirit speaks to you and you get your focus back. Remember, I talked earlier about how we lose our focus. Worship, the word. And then the third thing is what I've already mentioned to you before, service. There has to be something that comes out of you because of what you have seen about this God who did not come to be served, that you join him. What did Jesus say? The fields are white unto harvest, but he is so smart. I mean, he is so smart. I love to read the word and just go, oh, man. Oh, God. Because I read something that just shows how smart he is. The fields are white unto harvest. There's not a problem with a bunch of sinners being around. The problem is, is that there's nobody who's willing to roll up their sleeves. Justin, slide your sleeve up for me a little bit, Deborah. Oh, you got some Popeye forearms. Ah, geek, 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 look at this. Look at those forearms. They're just ready to work. And forearms are ready to work. The, the fields are white unto harvest. But the laborers are few. Jesus said, and stand with me, because that always helps me to end. <laughs> Listen, I am not sorry for preaching this long today. I am not sorry. I will not apologize. There is soup over there for eight bucks. You can go eat it. And if you can't afford it, do not leave because you can't, because I will get Chuck Robeson to buy your soup today. 
And I won't leave your son Nick out either. Hallelujah. And I'm serious. Do not leave today because you say soup's too much. This is about fellowshipping together and hanging out and supporting the youth. So I want you to be a part of that. Okay? The fields are white unto harvest, and the laborers are few. God has a special place for all of us in his kingdom. Don't be caught off guard. Don't lose your focus. And always remember that no matter what you see going on around you, that our God is in control of all of it. Don't let the world jip you. It says in Colossians, don't let them cheat you out of what God has in store for you. Father, I just thank you today for a hundred things. One is strength. You say when we are weak, you are strong, and you proved it. And I just ask in Jesus' name that the words that we spoke today would not be frightful. Oh, my gosh, we're in the last days. I I pray that they would be focusing words to say, I need to worship my God to get my heart in the right place. I need to read the word to get the direction, and I need to prepare to serve. For there's many people I know who don't know Jesus, but need to. Father, over the next couple weeks, we're going to have some amazing messages on fasting and prayer. And so, Father, I pray that as we move toward this, we would understand that some things only come out by prayer and fasting, and that you've called us to a higher level. That, Father, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities and powers in high places. So help us to remove the flesh, And understand that this is a spiritual situation. And so, Father, today, I pray the joy of the Lord would be our strength. I pray that we would all come together over soup today and enjoy fellowship and encouraging one another in the things of God. And I pray that this would be a week that we would worship you like never before. And so, Father, today, we... All of us give you praise because you are worthy to be praised. Could we give the Lord a praise offering before we go and do soup together?